you, thank you, thank you. Gosh, we're on a series of lessons called Hearing God, and, and wow, it's been a good time. I don't know if you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. If you've enjoyed it, come on, give the preacher a hand or something so I can hear. Don't, not just me. I just want to know if you've enjoyed it. I've really, really enjoyed this series of lessons, and we just decided this is going to be a week that we're going to unhook and go to some new territory here in a little while. Uh, Brittany's actually going to be speaking next week for you, so come on, just, 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 there, there, there you go, yeah, yeah, it's going to be great, and I know you're going to enjoy it. I'll be preaching at a friend's church up north, so you'll be praying for me. Uh, here is our key scripture for the last several weeks. We've been jumping off from 1 Kings chapter 13. Sorry, I'm still like uh, got tears coming out of my eyes here. Uh, if you've never prayed and cried, I'm wondering if you've ever really prayed. So I, I don't know if you, I, I, I cry when I pray sometimes. And you know, I didn't cry for any reason right there, but I just started crying. So uh, praise the Lord. How many know we are a spirit, soul, and a body? And sometimes your emotions will come out your eyes. Come on, everybody. Hey, by the way, let's just do this real quick before we jump into the Word of God. Uh, last night at 1.15, our dear, dear sister, uh, Maria Sanchez, uh, the wife of Sergio Sanchez, she went home to see Jesus at 1.15 last night. Uh, she had been... Um, uh, uh, fighting uh, kidney failure. She'd be on dialysis for five years and she uh, battled cancer and uh, she lived a full, full life while she was actually in the, ho in the they moved her from hospital to sort of a hospice kind of uh, type of care uh, just a couple days ago, about four or five days ago. And uh, um, uh, while she was there just two days ago, a nephew, a family member called and she actually led the family member to the Lord while she She's on her bed, and uh, uh, he's in heaven right now, so come on. So uh, come on, would you just help me pray for Sergio right now? Come on, let's just bow our head. Father, we bring Sergio to you right now. We thank you for Maria. Maria's in your presence. We don't have to pray her out of purgatory, thank God. We don't have to, we, we know where she's at, Lord God. She is with you. Father, in heaven, in your presence. So Father, but we do pray for Sergio. We pray for the family members that, that are mourning the, the, the loss of, of now uh, Sergio with, the, with his wife and, and, and a sibling father. And so we're praying the comfort of the Holy Spirit be theirs. Be very real. Be, be, you're, you're a very present help in a time of trouble. And we thank you for your strength in that family and using them continually for your glory in Jesus' name. Can you say amen and amen and amen? Well, a series of lessons that we've been on again for seven weeks. This is our eighth week. It's been the longest series I think I've taught in quite a while. I can't really remember a longer series I've taught. But um, uh, it's called Hearing God. And again, if you've not been with us, it really kind of started uh, for my whole pastoral journey. People would come up to me over the course of you know, many, many years year, recently and then years ago just saying things like, I don't hear God. How do you hear God? And so in an effort to try to clear up some of those things, uh, uh, we've been talking and teaching. And so, like Jack said, if you haven't been with us, go back online and listen to it on YouTube. It's probably the easiest way you can do it. Go to spectrumchurch.org, and, and you can pick up all the messages on YouTube and listen to them. But here's been the jump-off scripture for us is in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 9, where God comes to Solomon and just gives him, a, you know, the, 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 the American Express black card and just says, you know, what do you want? You can have it. And he remembers his father, David, how a great king he was. And he, he looks at this people that he's got to lead. And he, and he says this in, in 1 Kings 3, 9, here's what I want you to do, God. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well, discerning the difference between good and evil. Give me a God-listening heart. I need to know the right thing to do. I want to know the right thing to do. I want to know where to go. I want to know what to do. I want to know what to say. I want to know who to run with. And so we've been saying this every single week, that if we don't have a God-listening heart, we'll be suspect to our own heart, to our own ways, to our own inclination, meaning that that might be divisive concerning the things of God. Now, a heart that's submitted to God, a heart that's in the Word of God, a heart that's pursuing God, we talked about a couple weeks ago is a conscience that would be alive to God, that can hear God and flow with the will of God. But, but again, if I'm surrounding myself, I'm surrounding my life, I'm in a place right now where I'm not in the Word, where I'm, where I'm around culture and I'm hearing all the stuff that 
that's going on on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and CNN and CNBC, and I'm, I'm just surrounding myself with worldly influences, then, then, then that's what's feeding my heart, and I'm going to probably not hear God the way I need to hear God. And so we, we want to encourage you that you need to read the Word, and you need to read the Word every day. Can I get a better amen up in here? How do I do that, Pastor? I was talking to a friend this past week. Here's what I want you to do. Here's a challenge for you. If you're not reading the Word, tonight, tonight, here's how you're going to start. You're going to start reading John 1. And for the next 21 days, you're going to read a chapter a day. John has 21 chapters. And in three weeks, you're going to finish the book of John. If you're not a Bible reader, tonight, before you go to bed, I pray that you can't go to bed until you read John, John chapter 1. I pray you wake up all night in cold sweats. No, I don't. I can't. How many you know that's not a good prayer to pray? Come on. That's, a, that's like an Old Testament prayer. No, no. But, but, but just to take that. To take that challenge. I'm going to read a chapter a day. If you're not a Bible reader, start today. And let's, let's start something today. I read a book this past week. Uh, uh, it's actually, uh, uh, last week I guess it was. It's a real quick, easy read. It, it, it's a book by a, by a Navy SEAL, and, and so much of the book is right over here from Coronado, and this is where this guy was stationed, and if you know anything about SEALs, they just think different, and they're, you know, Rangers, they, they just think different, and they, what they endure, and he, he, he write, writes this book, and it actually came from uh, um, um, when he was at a graduation ceremony, um, um, I forgot where it was, but he actually gave this speech to the, to the graduates, and and that's where the book, the, the foundation of the book came from. But the first chapter of the book is called Make Your Bed. If you want to start your day off doing something of worth and you're struggling, do something productive when you first get up. Make your bed. If you want to hear God in the start of your day, read the Bible when you get up. And you're going to start hearing God. Come on, we, let's, let's, we better read the Bible here in a minute. So, so this, is our, this is our key scripture for the last eight weeks. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people. I can lead my life well. I can lead my family well. I can, I can lead my children well. And, and that I can discern the difference between good and evil, between right and wrong, between what culture is saying and, and, and what you're saying. And so again, by, by reminder, every week we've said this, that God's word is God's voice. And God's word is going to give you God's wisdom. God's word, his written word is his voice. When we're reading the word, we're hearing God. And his voice, his word is going to give us wisdom. We said if, when you consistently read the Bible, if, if you'll consistently read the Bible, you're going to hear God more clearly. So it's not hit or miss. It's not, it's not uh, I'm in and I'm out. No, no, I'm committed to it. Uh, uh, come on, like somebody says, you know, I'm, I'm in it to win it. Okay, okay, cool. That's a cool little catchphrase. But I'm in it to win the heart of God. I want to know God. I want to hear God. And if I keep staying in the word of God, if I keep having prayer, if I keep being open to God, communicating with God during my daily routine, I'm going to start hearing God more clearly and more clearly. And we said this just finally. If you'll read what he said, you'll hear what he's saying. If you'll read what he said, he, his word is settled in heaven, the scripture says. He's never going to back off what he said. So if I'll read what he said, I'll start hearing what he has saying to me specifically concerning the situation that I'm in, the situation that you're in. I'm going to do something I generally don't ever do, and I'm just going to ask you to hang on to your green chair, because we're going to go to 1 Kings chapter 13, and we're going to read in succinct order 32 verses. Are you ready? We got three people ready. Come on. I'm going to do it anyway. Whether you're ready or not. <laughs> Ready or not, here I come, right? In 1 Kings chapter 13, let me tell you, let me set it up for you. Um, this came across my, my, uh, my life about three or four months ago, and I read this, and I was mad at what I read. I was kind of, to be honest with you, I was a little bit, a little angst in my heart toward God, because 
what you're going to read maybe grips you in a way that you think God's bad and God's not fair and God's got something against people sometimes. Um, but what we'll do in the next you know, moments together, we'll break the story down and we'll talk to you about how serious this is with this story. It's probably a story, if you've read the Bible, probably, honestly, I've read it before and I forgot about this story. But since this series that we're on about hearing God is so direct and, and we want to have a God-listening heart, we're going to find out what we now have to do when we've heard God and the seriousness that God requires that we fulfill what we've heard. When we heard something from the written word, it's serious that you follow through with what the word of God says. When God speaks to your heart individually about a certain direction, about doing something, uh, whatever that might be, it's serious that you now follow through with what God's telling you to do. Let's read the Bible. 1 Kings 13, verse 1. And behold, a man of God went from Judah. Notice a man of God went from Judah to Bethel. That's a city. By the word of the Lord, directed by the Lord, directed by the Spirit of God, we'd say. And Jeroboam, this is the king, Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Then he, the man of God, cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord, a prophetic word, and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born to the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice these priests of high places, uh, the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign that same day, a confirmation we would say. This is a sign that the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam, he's an evil king, he's a wicked king, he's not fulfilling and following the purpose of God. When, when, when Jeroboam, verse 4, heard the saying of the man of God, he cried out against the altar in Bethel, and that he stretched out his hand from the altar, and he said, arrest him, arrest this man of God. Then his hand, Jeroboam's hand, which he had stretched out toward him, withered, so that he could not pull it back to himself. The altar was also split apart, and the ashes poured out from the altar, hmm. according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. Then the king answered and said to the man of God, Please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. Verse 7, then the king, Jeroboam, said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I'll give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. For it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So he went another way and did not return by the same way to Bethel. Now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. And their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went, who came from Judah. Then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it and he went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. And he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor, I, I, nor can I go in with you, neither can I eat bread with you or drink water from this place. For I have been told by the word of the Lord that you shall not eat bread or drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. And he said to him, I too am a prophet, as you are. 
And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with you to your house, that he may eat and drink water. He was lying to him. So he came back with him and ate bread in his house and drank water. Now it happened as they were at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet, the old prophet, who had brought him back. And he cried out to the man of God and came from Judah and said, Thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept your commandment from the Lord your God that he commanded you, but you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So it was after he had eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him. The old prophet saddled the donkey for the man of God. And the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road and the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. And there men passed by and saw the corpse down on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city and where the old prophet dwelt. When the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to him. And he spoke to his sons, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And they saddled it. Then he went to the corpse that was thrown in the road. And the donkey and the lion were standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse, nor torn the donkey. And the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And they laid the corpse in his own tomb and they mourned over him saying, Alas, my brother. So it was after he buried him that he spoke to his sons and said, Well, I'm dead. Then bury me in this tomb where the man of God is buried and lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against the shrines in the high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. I read that story as I mentioned to you several months ago. And to be honest with you, I had a little bit of a, of a, a talk with the Lord. And I was just complaining to the Lord that I thought the treatment of this man of God was a little bit unfair until I studied the scripture a little bit more and dug in concerning the severity of when God speaks to you from the word of God as he does to all of us. And then the severity of when God gives you a word specifically for your own life that, listen to me church, you must fulfill. There's no going to the right or the left if we want to see the goodness and the favor and the blessing of God. We must fulfill the will of God, the word of God. This man of God, he was a prophet. We, we assume he was a younger prophet, but a prophet nonetheless that had heard God before. He delivers this powerful word to the king Jeroboam, this, this powerful word of judgment. The nation of Israel was away from God. And again, if you read the Old Testament, you'll see this continual seesawing effect, yo-yo effect. They're serving God. They get a wicked king, and they, they, the, the king drives them away, erects high places, false worship. There's all kind of sexual perversion going on at the temple. There's just ungodliness continually until God hears the cries of the people, and there's a, another righteous king. It's the same thing we see in the book of Judges over and over and over this, this man of God is unaffected by what's going on in the spiritual culture and climate around him. 
he goes to Jeroboam and he delivers this powerful prophetic word. If you, if you remember this, it's interesting, the first couple of uh, verses there in chapter 13, th this man of God prophesies and actually tells him that there's a, a person coming whose name is Josiah. Josiah was going to be a young king, a child king coming, listen to me, 300 years in the future. And this man prophesies about that. So we can, we can assume and we can read into that this statement that his prophetic edge was sharp. He could hear God. He wasn't a novice. And when we read the thread of what goes on in the scriptures after that, we have to keep this in mind. This isn't some guy who just got saved last week. And, and this judgment is so fierce, it seems like it's not quite fair. And listen to me, can I say this? God, as far as human minds are concerned, God might not be fair, but God is always just. This, this young man of God, this prophet, he sees God's power displayed against King Jeroboam, we read. When he prophesies against him, against this altar, this false altar that they erected, the scripture says that, that King Jeroboam was furious and wanted to have him arrested. And so, remember when he stretched out his hand to tell the guys to go get him, his hand becomes withered. We know from scripture that, that the hand is a symbol of power. And so, right then, again, God is demonstrating his authority over all mankind. We see that he witnessed the, the altar was actually split and the ashes were poured out on that altar again symbolizing the authority of the man of God the word that he had actually given was accurate and true King Jeroboam we read wanted to reward him told him come <laughs> come back to my house eat and to drink and, and again the the litany of the scripture tells us the reason why, that King Jeroboam then pretty much had all the religious people, the prophets, the priests, any kind of, any, he was trying to get the prophets, any kind of religious person, he was trying to get them to his side so that he could groom them to be false worshipers of the enemy, not the true God. The, the demon spirits that were ruling in his life and around culture at that time. He wanted to embolden this young prophet because of his power to be on his side. But we read the scripture. It says this in 1 Kings 13, verse 8 through 10. I want to remind you of this. Notice what it says. The man of God says to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread, nor drink water in this place. For so it was, notice the word, commanded. Say that with me, commanded me by the word of the Lord. It was commanded me by the word of the Lord. Listen, I want you to see these first two lines here. Please embolden them in your heart this morning. When you read the word of God, you and I have no choice. It's been now commanded to me by the word of the Lord. I need to walk in love. I need to walk in peace. I need to forgive. I need to be compassionate. I need to be merciful if I'm going to see the goodness of God in my life. And whatever God has commanded you individually to do, the will of God, the purpose of God, the direction of God, the call of God on your own life, it's been commanded of you to do. And it would behoove you. It would be well with you if you heed and obey it. You'll see things happen in your life that you will not see happen in your life until you heed and obey and act on the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen? Here's the word. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way that you came. And so he went another way, the scripture says, and didn't return by that way and went to Bethel. So we know that this young man of God, this prophet, he knew God's voice. He knew God's will. He knew God's direction. He says again, it was commanded me. He tells the king that. I can't go back with you. It was commanded me by the Lord. Eating and drinking in that culture 
would be symbolic of the approval. You're giving that person approval in your own life. Uh, uh, and, and he rejected it. I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm not approving. God's not approving of what you're doing. He was to give the word. He was commanded by God to give a word that he received from God and then not go back to his home the same way. Go back a different way. Don't eat. Don't drink. Don't go home the same way you came. But then we have this weird twist in the scripture that we read. There's an old prophet that's there that he heard about the man of God, the Research that I've done from theologians, they believe that the old man who was a prophet, he actually had sons who Jeroboam had actually brought to his side. That maybe at one time that they were used by God, but they were no longer being used by God. They were being used by the king as, as religious puppets, let's say. Because the scripture says that the sons actually told their dad, the old prophet, about what happened there with King Jeroboam. They told him about him stretching out his hand and his hand becoming withered. They told him about the altar that was split. They told him about his hand becoming healed. When the old prophet heard about the young prophet something inside him was sparked and it wasn't necessarily a God spark. What we believe about this old prophet was that he probably, I'm, I'm assuming, that he was used by God, but he now was not fulfilling the purpose in God for his life because if he was, he would be standing up against King Jeroboam and using his voice and his pr prophetic gift to declare what God had commanded to him. But we don't read that in Scripture. The Scripture says that he saddled his donkey, and he found the man of God sitting under a tree. Now, let, let me just pause and just pump the brakes for just about 10 seconds here. Every word in Scripture is there for a reason. Don't eat, don't drink, don't go back the same way you came. There's, there, 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 there's a haste to this. There's a, a, a confrontation with complacency here in the scripture. There's something that's just saying, you've got to do something right now and you, you, you can't delay. It's like Lot's wife that looked to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't look back. Get to the mountain. But she looked back and she became a pillar of salt. The times of the essence, the, the more you're involved in the influence and the, and the culture around you and you stay connected to that, it's going to rub off on you. And I don't want you in that environment. So you give the word, you do what you're supposed to do, and you go back home a different way. But, but, but listen, listen. The old man found the young man sitting under a tree. Listen to me. Let me say it this way. There's a time to rest, but there's a time to ride. Listen to me. Now I believe more than ever. Let me shake you. Let me get you. Listen, I, I, I wish I could get all of us, including myself. I wish I could get me by the shoulders and just kind of like shake me enough that my teeth rattle. That you say, and we just say, let's wake up to the culture, the darkness that is invading. Let's wake up that now is the time that we have to be a bright light, to shine, to be salt. Let's wake up to fulfill the purpose of God in our region. Come on, somebody. Let's wake up to reach people for Jesus Christ. It's not a time to rest under a tree. It's a time to ride and to do what God's called us to do. The old prophet, we read, he asks the young prophet, and he, well, he tells the young prophet, come home with me and eat and drink. And here's a scripture I just hate, <laughs> but it's there in verse 17. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, he says, you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return 
by going the way you came. I've been told. I've been told. I can't go. I've been told. I've been told. He tells King Jeroboam that. He tells the man, this old prophet that. He, he, he knows it in his heart. Evidently, we know God told him. God told him. But the prophet says something. The prophet says, an angel spoke to me to bring you back to my house to eat bread and to drink. The scripture tells us he was lying. And the young man went back with him. If I was a preacher like T.D. Jakes or Stephen Furtick or one of your great, great preachers of our generation or whoever else, R.W. Schombach or whoever, I'm sure they could preach and shake the rafters off this building about this one thought here. But here what we find is that the older prophet introduced to the young man of God another word. He gave him another word. He gave him another voice. He gave him a second thought. Paul writes in Galatians 1.8 concerning this in the New Testament. He actually tells these Galatian believers who were coming out of Judaism. They were coming out of the law. And yet we know from the scriptures it tells us all these people, these Jewish leaders were trying to get them to come back into Old Testament law and not think about Jesus. He wasn't the Messiah. So there's this conflict. And Paul says this in Galatians 1.8. He says, if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. If you have some kind of vision, if you have some kind of dream, if you have some kind of supernatural manifestation that, that disagrees with the written word of God, Paul says if there's something that's come to you that doesn't agree with the word that we've spoken, any angel, any kind of appearance, any kind of sign, any kind of a wonder, it is accursed. It is not the will of God. It is not the voice of God. It is not the plan of God. You obey the written word of God. You obey the word that God has spoken to your heart. Can I get an amen? amen. Again, the young prophet eating and drinking, for some of us probably it should, it should trigger something in you. It takes us back to Eve and then Adam listening to the serpent in the garden and then eating of the fruit. Listen to a second word. Listen to a word where the enemy actually says, did God really say? Questioning God. Questioning the authority of the word of God. Questioning the will of God, the word of God that God's spoken to your heart about a certain direction for your life. And again, please, you can't just take this message out and just put it in every single area of your life. I would encourage you to read, listen to the other seven messages we've talked about. Because in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. I don't believe you need to do anything in your life that's life-shattering and a life-alarming a life move uh, in your life or, or direction in your life without getting counsel from older men and or older women seasoned in the Lord. Not just aged, but, but aged women and men spiritually. To say, I'm thinking about this. I'm, I'm wonder, I've heard this in my own life. Not that I've seen this. It's, it's, it's clear in the scriptures. That we, that's real easy to make a, a deciding a line, what's right and what's wrong. But, but I'm, I'm thinking about this. I, I, I'm wondering this. I'm praying about this. And if, and if we're not careful, we'll just think that it's just you and Jesus, which, which it should be if you're mature. But if there's huge uh, decisions in our life, it would be good for you to ask people around you, what, what do you think? You know me. You're, you're, you're interested in my life. And I want to obey God. So, so will you pray with me? Will you pray for me? And, and I want to hear what, what you're sensing about this certain direction that I'm, I'm looking and considering uh, going into. I'm, I'm encouraging you. Don't veer from the written word of God. Don't veer from the spoken word of God to you directly. We see here in this story that hearing God... And obeying God is serious. And there's always consequences. Always consequences. The old prophet actually told this man of God, 
what was going to happen because of his, the scripture says, disobedience. He disobeyed what God had said. He refused to obey God's voice, even though he was tricked. But he knew it. He told the king, I'm not to eat, I'm not to drink, I'm not to stay here. He told the prophet, I'm not to eat, I'm not to drink, I'm not to go back. But he listened to another voice. The old prophet, it says that he actually put the young man on his own donkey and he sent him away. If you know anything about scriptures, donkeys represent rebellion. Donkeys represent stubbornness. Stubbornness, won't hear, hard to lead. Psalm 32, 8 and 9 says this, The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will, God says, I will advise you and I will watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or a mule, a donkey, that needs a bit and a bridle to keep under control. Don't live your life this way. Don't live your life as a senseless, stubborn, rebellious mule that I have to keep jerking and bring you back into the right way. Listen to my word. Obey my word. I'll watch over you, he says. I'll, I'll keep you to the pathway for your life. I'll, I'll advise you. I will advise you. I will speak to you. But don't make me keep jerking you. That your heart be open to say, whatever you say in the word, whatever you speak to my heart, here I am, Lord, here I am. Speak to me, and I will obey. Scripture says that the lion met this man of God and killed him, but he didn't devour him. So we have this story of a man of God leaving on the old prophet's donkey, symbolizing rebellion. And God sends a lion representing God's authority and God's power that will arrest him and stop him because he's not consented and listened to the word of God. But the plot thickens there. It's a weird kind of thing if you walk by. All, all the circumstances around it are just bizarre, if you will, that we've got a lion that killed the man of God but didn't kill the donkey and we have people, the scripture says, that would pass by and see a dead prophet, a living lion, a living donkey, and people walking around, like, like just, just looking around, taking pictures, taking selfies. And again, we can see in this entire encounter that the hand of God was involved in all of it. And the seriousness of God saying, the word that I've given to you, the word that I've given to the nation of Israel, must be heeded, must be heard, must be listened to. Really, we could say it this way, that when the old prophet who lied to him put the young prophet or the man of God on his donkey, the man of God was no longer being led by the word of the Lord he was being led by the word of another person. And listen to me. You will not fulfill the will of God riding someone else's donkey. Don't be moved by what other people say or think. Again, parcel that with what we've talked about. I've got this something strong on my heart. I need to do this. I need to be, I need to be obedient to the word of God. I'll surrender to that. If you've prayed, if you've fasted, if you've sought counsel, praise God. We'll get behind you. We'll get behind you. You and I, all of us, need to read the word of God, apply it to our own life, and then work it out in the daily decisions that we make. But at the end of the day, you and I, individually, will answer for the will of God in our own life. And so when we read the scriptures, when we hear God, through the scripture, or specifically in an area of our life, I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, whatever the strongest word I could say, encouragement is too weak of a word. I'm, I'm begging you. I'm, I'm pleading with you. That's to be the accurate word. I'm pleading with you that you do not entertain another option. 
You do not entertain a second voice, a second word. You've said this in Scripture. This is what I will do. Not my will. Your will be done. You're asking me to do this certain thing, to forgive that person that offended me. But I yield myself to you, and I will ask, and I will release the forgiveness in my heart and speak to them if that's necessary. We've said this weeks and weeks ago. Said it for several weeks in a row. Are we doing all right, everybody? Okay. Um, we're, we're like right down. We're like, we're, like, we're like seconds from being away. That when it comes to these individual things in our lives, God's going to speak to us two ways. He's going to help us in two ways. Romans 8, 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. God's going to lead you by a beacon on the inside of you. The Spirit of God lives within your spirit. He's going to lead you. I should do this. I have a leading to do this. Not like a stubborn mule, not being whipped, not being drawn, not with a bit in my mouth, and God's yanking me. No, 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 no. He's just going to lead you. He's going to direct you. Specifically for those things that the Word of God is not, doesn't show and speak to you individually. It speaks to all of us. This is the direction for our life. This is the purpose for our life. This is what our life is all about as God followers. But what, what do I do with those individual questions? God's going to lead you by your spirit. Then we found out in verse 16 of that same chapter, it says this, The Spirit himself, or the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God, we're children of God, we're heirs of God, we're joint heirs with him. We belong to God. We have, we have a witness on the inside of us. We said that our conscience, the, the, the conscience, the voice of your born-again spirit, the voice of your spirit will then speak to you about direction and things to go. Like, for instance, we said, if you sense God doing something, then your spirit will pick it up. I think I should do this. There's just a sensing. There's a, there's a nudge. There's a, there's, a, there's a touch of God in a certain area. You, you, you should reach out to that person. You should call that person. You should, you should serve here. You, you should give that person this. You need to begin tithing. Whatever it is. And you just listen and you say, yeah, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We said we don't follow signs. We don't follow wonders. We don't follow any other manifestations. We don't cast lots and we don't roll dice like they did in the Old Testament to try to find out what God wants us to do. <laughs> we don't follow other people's words or other people's wills for our lives. We, we, we follow God. We're led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us a witness for direction. So here's the question or the, the statement then. It starts with a question, I guess. I've had asked to me, is there some kind of, you know, Gary, is there some kind of confirmation? I, I know the word. I, I got this. I, I, I've got this leading. I've got this direction. Uh, is there something? Is there just something else that I can ascertain God's will and God's direction? The answer to that is yes. Let me give it to you. Psalm 119, verse 165 says this. Great peace have those who love your law. Peace. When you sense a direction, when you sense a nudge of the Spirit, even if you're a little bit fearful, even if it's a little bit nervous to your flesh or whatever it is, God will give you peace in your heart. There will be a quietness in your flesh, in your emotions like mine. There could be hair standing up in the back of your neck for a while. But as you think about it, as you pray about it, as you ask God and you get quiet, God will give you peace about a decision. And if you will just begin taking steps to walk that out, listen to me, there will continually be more and more and more peace. Peace does not mean the absence of storms. Peace means there's calmness in you in the middle of the storm. That you can sleep in the boat like Jesus when all the disciples are going crazy, right? Trying to go to the other side. One is at perfect peace sleeping, and all the others 
are frantically crying out, but they all heard the same word. We're going to the other side. That's the word of God. That's the direction of God. That's God's stamp. I will not entertain a second word. Storms, hurricanes, someone's trying to repossess my boat. We're going to the other side because he said it. So that settles it and I'll have peace in my life. Before Jesus left, that last supper scene, he got with his couple of disciples and he said, hey guys, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go into the city and I want you to prepare the Passover meal that we can eat. Now, now, now we, we, we don't have an Airbnb club. There's no VRBO. We, 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 don't, we don't do that. We, we've been traveling. So, so we, we've, left, we've left all that with our families. But we need a place to do the Passover. So here's what I want you guys to do. When you go into the city, when you go into the city, you're going to meet a man. He's going to be carrying a pitcher of water. What I want you to do is follow him. Follow him. And he's going to go to the house. And when he goes in the house, I want you to ask the owner of the house and tell him, the master, the master is going to come to the house and he's, he's going to have the last meal here. The, the, the master told us there's a guest room. And he took him up to a large upper room all prepared it's all done now if you're the disciples and you go into the city and there's that man there's a man most man didn't carry pitchers of water that was always the woman so there's something different there's a man they begin following him and there's a owner of the house that just happens to be there he was a servant and he shows them a room. And they look around and it's, man, it's just like he said. In the Old Testament, God led them by external signs. In the New Testament, you and I are led by our spirit. I just sense this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm led by the word of God and I'm led where I can hear you in my spirit. And now I must obey you. No other word. No other word. I've got to obey you. If I'm going to please you, if, I can, if I'm going to please you, the scripture says, faith pleases God. Obey you without a sign. Obey you without a wonder. Come on, everybody. Jesus is still speaking to the church. That's you and I. He's still giving direction. He's still giving us counsel. He's still speaking peace to us and giving us words that we can minister to somebody else. And we don't want to be like that young prophet who knows what to do and did good for a while but somehow got tripped up. No other word, no other voice, what God said in his written word. No other direction when he's spoken to you personally in your heart. Let's heed that. Let's listen to that. Let's solve that. Let, let's all of us say a yes and amen, a so be it over our life. We will not follow another word. We will not go another direction. We'll not entertain another thought. We're going to serve you, Lord God, all the days of our life. And we're going to fulfill your will and your purpose so that just like Maria heard, we're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Amen, everybody. Come on, stand with me. Would you do it? Come on. Father God, we just pray. Come on, all over the room. Put your hands out in front of you like a, just, just, just make, make, make your life right there a little altar right there in front of you. Come on. Would you do that? Everybody in the room, just your hands out in front of you. In your hands, again, the hand symbolizes power, authority. We relinquish, Lord God. Let it be your prayer. I just relinquish all the power and authority in my life to you. 
I relinquish my will, my way, my purpose, my plan, my direction. Give me a God-listening heart. God-listening heart that I don't alter, I don't veer to the right or the left. Father God, fill us with passion and purpose. Give us an increased measure of your power, Lord God, by the Holy Spirit that we don't rest under an oak tree, but we just keep riding with the will of God for our lives. Father God, we're asking that you speak to us and give us wisdom concerning the darkness and the culture around us that we don't let it entertain, enter into our heart and to be entertaining to our ears or our eyes. Oh God, help us fulfill the purpose, the plan that you have from the foundation of the earth for our life. There are people at stake all around us that need to hear and need to know you. So we, with our hands as an altar, we lay our lives and our will before you, Lord God, and we're asking you for your grace and mercy to help us, oh God, in a time of need. We say we're needy today. We're needy today. We're desirous to know you. Cause the word of God to be a light and a beacon to us. Holy Spirit, you're God in us. Thank you for leading us and witnessing the purpose and the plan of Almighty God, the Father to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives on earth, just like it is in heaven. Just like it is. Let it be so. Let it be so. And come on, let's just make our hands go a little higher. Maybe just everybody, a hand of the heavens. That's just saying thank you. Come on, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you that you take us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That even in uncertain times in our own lives, even when we don't know what to do, you know what to do. You know what to do, so you lead us. You lead us. We're led by the Spirit. We're directed by the Holy Spirit. You give us a God-listening heart. We can hear you. We're your sheep. We know your voice. The voice of the enemy, we don't follow. We don't follow. And we bless you. Come on, church. We bless the Lord, oh, our soul. Come on, church. Bless the Lord. Come on, church, bless the Lord, oh, our soul, and all that is within us. Come on, bless his holy name. Come on, church, bless the Lord. We bless you. Come on, church, lift your voice. We bless you and thank you, Father. We honor you today, oh God, for your faithfulness and your mercy and your compassion. In Jesus' name, can you say amen, 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 man. Wow, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Man, it's been an amazing series. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. So we, we pray that you'll keep basking in that. And, and I'm believing that your ear is getting bigger of your heart concerning God's will and purpose. And so we're going to hear stories. Hey, I, I, God said this, and I did that, and, and look what happened. God said, start this business. I started that business. Look what happened. God said, don't marry that person. Woo, look what happened. Come on, somebody. Woo, I felt that. Come on, somebody. Hey, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come on, I got, a little, I got a little silly there for a minute, but if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you do us the great opportunity and the great privilege to pray with you, pray for you? We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're going we're gonna to dismiss the service in just the next 30 seconds. Our prayer partners are going to be up here. I'm asking you to leave your chair and come up here and talk to one of our prayer partners and say, I just need, I just need Jesus. I, I, I was away. I need to come back. I, I need to get things right in my heart. A, a lot of times, most times, we just pray when you're right there in your chair, right there at your house. But I'm asking you to leave your chair in the next couple seconds and come up here. You, you make that first step. Because Christ already made the first step to you. You, you. you just act out what he's already done for you. Let's see God do something amazing in your life. Hey, before you go to, it's Father's Day. We got something cool for fathers out there. But since we love fathers, we just said, let's bless everybody. We got sodas and ice cream floats out there for everybody today. Listen, kids.